to a new episode of Exploited. I'm Alexis Jowski, and I quit smoking. And uh, I, too, want to break down in an 80s, 1980s dystopia. Yeah. I'm Kevin Daly. This week, we are talking about Vampire's Kiss from 1988, directed by Robert Bierman. How was your weekend? It's all right, you know. There's nothing worth shattering. He was an ordinary guy. <laughs> morning, everyone. Good morning. Looking for an extraordinary love. I'm Peter Lowe. Rachel. I brought this girl up to my place the other night. It started with a kiss. Really hot. A very special kiss. You wanted her very badly. Yeah. A kiss that could drive you mad. I hate interrupted love affairs, don't you? Yep, 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 yep. It's affecting his work. There you are! It's a horrible, horrible job. And you have to do it. It's ruining his appetite. My next appointment with you is uh, Tuesday afternoon. I'd like to make it sooner. It's spoiling his sleep. Sooner. And don't think people haven't noticed. Am I getting through to you? Over! He is so eccentric. My, my. For Peter Lowe. Oh, Peter. That's just love. Love? Love. In the big city. Yeah! Don't laugh. I'm a professional. I don't laugh. I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! <laughs> Nicholas Cage. The tortures of the damned! Maria Conchita Alonso. Shoot it. Do it or I'll fire you. Do you understand? <laughs> Not the floor, Alba. And Jennifer Beals. You are so pathetic. <clears throat> Vampire's Kiss. Strange stuff. I'll never do that again. Jeez. By the way, congrats on quitting smoking. It's uh, tough. It was weird because, like, I quit last night, then I got off work and I took my usual nap, and I woke up and I'm like, cough, cough, I, I should go buy cigarettes, cough, 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 and I'm, like, dying. And then I, I'm like, finally get out, and I'm putting shoes on, and I'm like, I'm coughing to death, and I'm wanting to buy cigarettes? Nope. Addiction's a thing. Yep. Well, I, you know, proud of you. That's tough. That's a tough thing to do. Hey, it had to be done because they're $10 a pack now. <laughs> yeah. But Vampire's Kiss. Robert Bierman, I'm not familiar with his work. Yeah, me neither. He was supposed to direct the remake of The Fly, but he dropped out due to personal reasons. So that job went to Cronenberg, which is history. I think that's probably more appropriate. Uh, The lead role in this film... Uh, the the one that Nicolas Cage launched 20 million memes. Yes. It was originally cast for Dennis Quaid. That would have been awful. 
he dropped out to make Inner Space, which was good. That's actually a good movie, yeah. Much yeah. more suited, much more suitable role for him. In this movie, we got Nicolas Cage for this is his third time on our show. Yeah, and it will not be the last, I'm sure. No, no, it will definitely not be the last. I can think of at least one more that's coming up on what's already scheduled. He 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 slots in nicely. He's done a lot of stuff that uh, ends up in our wheelhouse. And this is one of Nicolas Cage's most well-remembered roles. He is so over-the-top in this movie uh, that uh, all the critics at the time, when they would talk about the movie, you know, they had their pro and cons, and they're like, who the fuck this? Yeah. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a, now it's like a performance that it's like iconic for him. You know, he does these like, oh shit, he's fucking crazy roles now. When I was looking at all those interviews of Nicolas Cage talking about his craft, he was talking about prior to this, method acting was the big thing. And he, you know, like literalism, really just real, realistic acting in the role. And he's like, I, I don't like that anymore. I want something more surreal or experimental. So he came up with this, like, anti-method acting, um, where he would toss in, like, kabuki gestures and German expressionism and find a rhythm to just be different, to have his own style, which he does. Yeah, I mean, this has kind of become his trademark, right? He's He does these, like, these kind of unhinged characters, and he does them very very well this is kind of where he where he found his wheelhouse you know it's interesting because he was already a known quantity by the time this movie came out yeah he just did moonstruck right before yeah, this he, he did peggy sue got married raising arizona yeah so he was already he was on the map when he went like completely unhinged in this <laughs> crazy movie and just experimenting with a new style I like that, though. I appreciate that. And despite everything we're going to say about this movie and this character, Nicolas Cage does a fantastic job, I feel. Yeah, yeah. It, it, we're not going to... Yeah, I should probably should just say that. Nicolas Cage himself is great. He plays his character perfectly. I don't think anybody else could play the role the way he played Especially it. Especially Dennis it, Quaid. Jesus, that would have been awful. Yeah. It would have been a completely different vibe for the movie, for sure. So the movie, it starts with uh, just pictures of Manhattan. It's 1988, so the World Trade Center is there in the skyline. Yep, boring as shit intro. And we have this soundtrack that's got like, it kind of sounds like an old Hammer film, but it also sounds like 80s porno sleaze. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good description. And then we meet Nicolas Cage as Peter Lowe, and he's in therapy. And my first note is, very odd performance, but you know, that's Nicolas Cage. Right, his accent is bizarre. It's like kind of Romanian, but also New Yorkish. He makes this weird voice. He pauses for emphasis worse than Shatner. Yeah, and it's kind of got this like uh, I don't even know. It, like he's got a speech impediment. It sort of sounds like. Yeah, it's a bizarre accent. And he's meeting with his his shrink, Doctor Glasser, played by Elizabeth Ashley. And then we're in a club. And my first yeah. night there. Which inspired the message for you about what we're changing our bonus episode to? Yes. This has a very American Psycho vibe. Yeah. But not as an homage to the era. This actually is the fucking 1988. Well, to be fair, American Psycho was written in 91, so the which book. We should bring up, we picked this movie for this week because Renfield just came out. Yeah, unfortunately, neither of us had a chance to go see it yet, though. I do plan on seeing it soon. No. 
I do plan on seeing it as well. And we had another movie picked, but then after this, I was like, fuck it, let's just do people going crazy because of 80s yuppie culture. Yeah, they actually make very good companion pieces, as uh, if you listen to both ep- episodes, you'll see. Yep, and so he's hitting on this girl that he takes home, and this girl is Jackie. Um, She's played by the always beautiful Cassie Lemons. She was the protagonist's best friend in Candyman. She- oh, okay. oh, okay, yeah. She was the protagonist's best friend in Silence of the Lambs. Uh, she played like a police officer in Hard Target, which we're doing someday. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen Hard Target. But then she, she segued into directing. She's done a great job there. She directed Eve's Bayou and the Cavesman, Caveman's Valentine, two like wonderful movies with Samuel L. Jackson. Huh. And recently she directed the uh, Whitney Houston movie, that I Want to Dance with Somebody. Oh yeah, that just came out. Very recently. Yep. So I t- really, really respect Cassie Lemons, obviously. Right on. Yeah, she's, I mean, she's good in the kind of supporting role she is in here, kind of. Like, yeah. she's in, what, about half the movie? She is. And and I think... 40%. She was always given supporting roles. I mean, two of the roles I listed was protagonist best friend. Yeah. And she's better than that, which is probably why she became a director. Yeah, you don't always want to just be cast as the best friend, though. Eh, depends on what your goals are. Uh, Nicholas Cage is over the top. Like they, they, she calls a cab, and he's like, "We are not in need of a coach service, milady." Yeah, I mean they're both drunk as shit, but like he's weird even by that standards. And we find out that uh, Peter works in literature. That's what he says. And Jackie yeah. works for the telephone company as a personnel director. Yeah, he's a he's a literary agent, apparently. Yeah. And we get a shot of some creepy fucking kid watching them from the stairs of his apartment. Never any follow-through on that, though. No, not a single goddamn thing about that. You see it twice. You see it when he come, when she comes in, and then as, she's, as they're leaving, well, as she escapes into the hallway. And we're going to discuss in a second. And that's it. It's the only time you see this fucking kid watch the movie. Yeah, and it feels sinister. Like, oh, something's going to happen. But no, no, this kid is no. there just there and then so they're uh they're doing their foreplay we have a nude scene yeah and then a fucking bat flies in yeah. <laughs> it's very random and they uh so they, they decide to leave his apartment and go to hers i was gonna say presumably just goes yeah and and my, my note here is so 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 drunk yeah luckily in new york you can just catch cabs and yeah you can just do that at any time in Manhattan, mostly, though. Yeah. The- and then I have a note here because this is when Tubi went to an ad. Uh-huh. And I had this fucking rant because <laughs> I had this ad for some show called The Farmer's Wife. And I was... No, I, don't think I, I don't think I got that one. It's the it's Hick Bachelor. It's Bachelor, oh, but he's a farmer. And it looks I got like a, shit. I got a commercial for something called Jury Duty or something like oh, that. Polly Shore. Not- not the Polly Shore film. The Polly Shore film looked better than this. This is like uh, like a reality show where it's like a fake fucking court, and this one dude gets like debated into it, and everyone else is an actor, the other jurors. And he goes, "I think I'm on." It feels like I'm on a reality show. I'm like, "You fucking idiot!" Yeah, and the one I watched with which was with just Hick Bachelor. I'm like, you know what? You want to know what exploitation is? It's that fucking show. <laughs> We could do a whole different podcast on reality TV, and it, which is television exploitation. It would break us after four episodes. Yeah, we wouldn't be able to handle it. We're not that strong. So now we got Peter back in his office, and um, 
for some reason, he's not wearing socks, and the camera focuses on that, and I don't know why we needed to know that he's not wearing socks. Yep, no clue. It's never brought up again. Yeah, and then there's there's some bullshit about, like, some missing contract. Yeah, I don't think anything becomes of that. <laughs> She's being facetious. It's the entire crux for the rest of the fucking movie. Yeah. So, one of the authors they represent wants a copy of his very first contract from the first short story he wrote to, like, frame and hang on his wall. And they can't find this contract. So, the object of his rage is his... Secretary Alva, played by Maria Conchita Alonza. Who I always just remember from Predator 2. Yes, she was in Predator 2. But this contract becomes the the bane of their their relationship. And I mean employer-employee relationship. They do not have a romantic relationship. No. Um, and we'll get more into that, that as the movie evolves. I mean, it really is the thing that just puts him over, <laughs> off the pushes him off the... 80s dystopia cliff. It is. It totally is. Like he was he, on the he, precipice, and this is the the the, the, the yeah. straw. Because I mean, a theme from these movies is kind of the the shittiness of the, of 80s yuppie culture and the materialism and stuff. And so the stress of his job, which had obviously been cracking him, that's why he was at the psychiatrist. Uh, this is the last straw. Yep, and so he's off to the psychiatrist again, where he talks about how he got he got turned on by fighting this bat, and the the therapist laughs about that. But he's like, "It is no, a weird thing to say." But- I'm serious. He's like, "I was in Mortal Kombat with a fucking bat, and it made him hard." I brought this girl up to my place the other night, really hot, you know, and we're on the bed, and suddenly this bat comes swooping down out of nowhere. A bat. Holy shit. But this this really happened. But the part, this part, I don't know if this really happened or I dreamt it later or what. I mean, I'm fighting this bat off all alone. And I'll be damned if I didn't get really turned on. You were aroused? Yeah. But you said just a few seconds before you were in the throes of passion. Yeah, I know. So then you were aroused. With the girl? Yes, with the girl. Oh, sure, yes, absolutely. But then she left the room and I was... I mean, I came down. You know, I was in Mortal Kombat with a fucking bat. Give me a break. You were fighting off the bat and that's when you had this new feeling. Then, yes, that is the precise order of events. And, um, yeah, I am... And you got another note there. He's upset that Alpha hasn't found this contract yet. He's quite rude, is my note. <laughs> because that this was on my first watch through. And I just put, he's quite rude. No idea how this would evolve. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's a terrible human being. Though, we, we don't really know how bad he was before he snaps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was probably not great. And now he is... Uh, Completely unhinged. So he goes out for another night, he goes clubbing again, and he meets Rachel, played by Jennifer Beals. Takes her home, and, well, she's a vampire and bites him, maybe? Apparently. Yeah, she bites him, and so now he's... Vampire? And he's just wandering around his apartment in the next morning, like, talking to a girlfriend and serving breakfast to, to nobody. Yeah, so... 
I don't know what happened to him there, but it this is where he completely loses his damn mind. Yeah, he had to have already been losing it, as you said. He was already seeing a psychiatrist. Yeah, he had cracked with the contract, and then whatever happens here at the bar, because he doesn't even have bite marks on his neck. Like he literally does not yeah. actually. He's just. He's now completely insane. And the whole thing, which I'll get into more with the bonus episode, is we're seeing this entire movie from Peter's point of view. Right. And he is an unreliable narrator. And uh, again, that makes, again, one of the things that makes American Psycho a, a very good companion piece. Yeah, because we don't quite know if Peter is bullshitting the audience or not. Right. This one is a little bit more clear by the end of the movie. Yeah. Exactly what happened. But um yeah, at the at the beginning we we don't actually really know. Yeah, for all we know, he literally met a vampire and she bit him. Right. And so he goes to with Jackie to an art museum on a date and he just goes, I gotta take a piss and he just <laughs> deuces right out of that date. I feel like that's a, was an ad libbed line. <laughs> There's some ad libbed things in here. It definitely feels like that's just something that Nicolas Cage said. Like, he was supposed to say some other excuse, and he just said the most, like, <laughs> blunt thing he could possibly think of at the moment. <laughs> and he just leaves her there, you know, in the middle of the day. Then he's at uh, he's at therapy again, and the therapist is trying to follow up on the, the bat hard-on. Yeah. And he's like, no, I, I, what? I don't, I don't remember that at all. You he's know, wearing what? those weird sunglasses at this point, right? No, no, that's a little later. Okay. That's after the alphabet scene. Oh. Yeah, that scene. After that scene, he has a line about, is it bright in here? And then he's wearing the sunglasses all the time. Right. right. So, and he tries to, to, to pass off the uh, the bad thing. He's like, I guess I was just pretty horny. <laughs> I, I, I was drunk. I was a little drunk. Plus, I was horny. And again, it's another scene that just kind of felt like it ad-libbed. <laughs> yeah. Felt very Nicolas Cage. It was very Nick Cage. So back at the office, the uh, the guy needing the contract calls. The, the Der Spiegel contract. Yep. And he's like, send Alva in here right now! And because he thinks he's going to have to, like, grovel to this dude. And he just fucking lays into her right off the bat. Like, why haven't I received this contract? It's fucking Tuesday, you bitch! And he makes her stay to listen to him grovel. And the guy in the line is other end of the line is like, hey, no rush on that at all. You know, I don't even have a, I'm in the middle of moving. I don't even want the contract right now. Like, I'm sure your your staff is overworked anyway. Don't worry about it. And then so Nicholas Cage is like, okay, and hangs up and tells Alva, you see, I couldn't even get in a word edgewise. You know, he lies about the whole conversation that, like, this guy was giving him such shit. Yeah, it's funny because, uh, I work in a law office, and back in the day, we used to have more paper files. I'm looking at the files she's looking through in the movie, and I'm like, that looks kind of familiar. Because yeah. <laughs> that's how that's how that shit was stored back in, you know, in the 80s, before computers. Before computers. Very, very weird seeing, like, office settings with little to no, few to no computers. I think they have a couple out in the, in the bullpen area for the for the assistance to use. But they probably just do payroll on those. Yeah, they don't use them for much. It's uh, not fully integrated yet. So he goes out to a diner, and he just gets upset. Right, because they haven't served him yet, and then there's some sort of conversation that triggers him. 
Yeah, and he just stands up and screams, fucking grease hole! And he storms home, um, and we get the first shot of these fucking mimes. <laughs> Which also don't get brought up again. Yeah, but I think what they show, up, they show twice. They show up twice. These mimes are performing like a, a domestic violence scene. <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre. And he just walks on by him, and I think it kind of builds an idea about New York that comes in later in this film. I mean, that was my thought. I've never been to New York, but my thought is, ah, so New York. <laughs> because, well, New York, incredibly huge population. There's like 8 million people that live there, but it's also incredibly dense. Yeah, very small. So you're going to see fucking crazy people every day. If you leave your home, you're going to run into a crazy person, and you just become numb to it. Which... That's, what, that's, that's what I figured. That's why he just doesn't react, because it's like, eh. Yeah, you see street performers, you see schizophrenic homeless people, you know, it's just a part of life there. That, like the Bay Area, California. Yeah. When I, lived, when I lived in Berkeley, it was like that. And so he calls up Jackie, who he he left in the middle of the date, and she's understandably pissed. Yeah. And he's like, well, I got sick. And he's like, let's go meet at 9 p.m. at this club called Mondo Cane. Yeah, I liked that. Which apparently is a real place. Oh, really? It's a real I movie. Saw it, I saw. I saw it in the credits. They uh, thanked it. We were supposed to do that movie next month, but I took it off the schedule. But yeah, I heard that. I'm like, oh yeah, Mondokane. That's that movie. And then, uh, and then I saw it in the credits. I'm like, oh, I guess there's this actually was maybe was probably may not still be there a restaurant <laughs> that was named that. So he, uh, it's probably a spirit Halloween store now. <laughs> yeah, aren't they all? And um. So he, he starts to leave. We see the mimes again with the exact same routine. They're just on a loop in front of his apartment. <laughs> That's their rehearsal space. Yeah. And he stopped by. Rachel shows up again, presumably, maybe. Out of, no, out of nowhere. <laughs> but, I mean, if she's a vampire. And she's like, let's do our vampire fucking suck thing again. Yeah. And um, so he doesn't make it to the club, and Jackie is very, very upset. As she should be. Yeah, but he can't stand it. He's he's bewitched by this Rachel and her biting. And so the next day at work, he's like mumbling to himself. He's he's fucking crazy, okay? Yeah. And Alva comes in, you know, about the contract. And he's like jumping on his desk and shouting at her. And he fucking chases her into the bathroom. He's terrorizing this poor girl. Yeah, he is now completely snapped. But he hasn't hit rock bottom yet. <laughs> but he's still snapped. And she's in the bathroom telling him, I have a gun. If you hurt me, I'll use it. And some old woman gets out of the bathroom and is like, what the fuck is going on? Which is the correct reaction to that situation. The incorrect reaction is the meeting he has right after this. Ah, uh, the 80s. Where he's with all the other executives and they're like, oh, nothing like a good office trauma. Oh, that chase was wonderful. You know, yeah, they're just giving him, basically just giving him shit about it. No one's in trouble. He, he's not in trouble. He's, they're just laughing at him for being an idiot. But they're also praising him. Kind of. Because they don't think of this secretary as a person. No. So, I would imagine, I, I have to imagine that's what it was like in the 80s though, right? Yeah, it, exactly what it was like. Maybe that's a, maybe that's an exaggerated scene a bit, but. Probably not too far off from the truth. Felt a hell of a lot more sympathy for my mom, who had to be a woman in the 1980s business world. Yeah, Jesus. And so we get, uh, he gets home and he finds the note from Jackie of just, stay out of my life, written on a cocktail napkin. And, and she's out in the movie again, so. 
Good for her. <laughs> yep, she's gone. Um, and he trashes his apartment for the first of many times. In a very classic um, Nick Cage way. Yep. Not quite Mandy levels, but there. Yeah. Well, at least in Mandy, he had a good reason. <laughs> this one, he's just... His, then, own, his own hubris has caught up to him. And then we actually get to, to leave Nick Cage for a minute to see Alva running onto the subway, and that she's really shook up with how fucking terrible her boss is. Yeah, her boss is crazy. Yeah, and he gets at therapy the next day, saying, I got a little upset at the office. <laughs> I, there's this contract we're missing, and he's going over like, you know, how do people lose a contract? Well, maybe it got misfiled, and that just sets him off. And he's like, how do you misfile? It's all alphabetical. And he shouts the entire fucking alphabet at her. And she says something to the effect of, that's good that you know the alphabet. And then he's all like... <laughs> actually made me laugh out loud. He's all petulant, puts his hands on his hips, and he goes, I never misfiled anything, not once, not one time. He's like five years old. How could somebody misfile something? What could be easier? It's all alphabetical. You just put it in the right file according to alphabetical order. You know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, Z. Huh? That's all you have to do. Very good. You know your alphabet. I never misfiled anything. Not once, not one time. I'm sure that you didn't. Yeah, well, I mean, people with this kind of privilege tend to behave that way. I act like my my four-year-old. Yeah, and then he uh, he, uh, he goes back to the office with the sunglasses now. And when he walks through the bullpen, he just throws away some woman's toy duck. Yeah, just grabs it and, like, smashes it on the ground. And the, the girl turns to another secretary and goes, He's so eccentric. Yes, I mean... That is technically words you could use to describe him, but I think he's gone a little past that at this point. And so he calls Alva into his office, and he's like, I'm sorry about the bathroom thing. Um, That was mescaline. I'll never do mescaline again. <laughs> and he's I mean, like, it's yeah, it's the 80s. He was not doing mescaline. He was just fucking insane, though. Yep. And he starts to tell her, hey, I need you to stay late and work overtime to find this fucking contract. And we have the, the, the scene that launched a thousand memes where he's got the biggest eyes ever. Yeah. Which was exactly his point. Nicholas Cage has said he wanted to see how big he could make his eyes. Mission accomplished. Yeah, those eyes are fucking crazy. Yeah, he, he, uh, he, he looks nuts. Yeah, and he's like, you're going to stay because you're the lowest on the totem pole here. You know, you are the bottom of the bottom, so I'm going to torture the shit out of you, is basically what he says. Like a little, nothing like a little office hazing. Yeah, and so she cries and runs away, and he decides to go home, and he gets some groceries. Then he sees a cross at a church, and he fucking collapses, um, because he thinks he's becoming a vampire now. Yeah. You know, and Rachel is at his apartment, his trashed apartment. Yes. And and then complimenting him about his day at work. Oh, that was so clever of you to say it was masculine. Yeah. You know, and he's just like a zombie for her, if she's even really there. Then the next morning, he does the whole, like, taking a shower and talking to a hallucination again. And it's the scene oh, where... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come on in here. Yeah. It's the scene where he eats a cockroach. 
Yes, which was supposed to be a raw egg, apparently, but he's like, no, a cockroach would be even more crazy. I'm going to do that. Yeah, so he, he literally ate a live cockroach for this scene. That's dedication to the craft. And so he gets into work, and his first thing is like, I wonder what Alva's doing today. And he finds out that she called in sick. She had a very bad cold. And we see Alva at home, and her mom's like, hey, Alva, get up, go to work. We need money. And she's like, no, no, my boss is, is a bastard. I hate him. And the mom doesn't know the situation, okay? Right, well, Alva's not particularly forthcoming with any information. Yeah, and she's just like, everybody hates their boss. You fucking deal with it. But the other thing is, Alva, she is a woman and a minority in 1980s. She has no recourse. True. Which is sad. If she tries to tell anybody about how terrible her boss is, they'd just be like, fucking deal with it or find another job, woman. Pretty much. Go back to waiting tables. Get in the kitchen. Some shit like that. Yeah, not wrong. That's that's, that's uh, how things were. The 80s were the fucking worst. Great music, though. Yeah, great music. I mean, the best music's produced during the shittiest time, so that would uh, explains a lot. Must be why Eastern European metal is so good. <laughs> it is. Anyway, Nick Cage goes to her house, and he tries to be a nice guy. He's all like, let truce, you know, the contract doesn't matter, I just need you at work. And I'm like, this dude is a fucking terrorist! Yeah, he is, he is uh, definitely a psychopath at this point. And he finally gets her to come in the cab and come back to work. And while they're in the cab, he's like, you're going to find that damn contract today. And he just flips out in the cab screaming, the goddamn contract is somewhere in those goddamn fucking files. And she's like, oh, let's stop at the gas station. I have to pay my brother money. <laughs> and I thought she was trying to escape. But no, her brother does indeed work at that gas station. Her brother does indeed work at that gas station. And she's like, I need a boss. My, I, I need a gun. My boss is terrible. And her brother, Emilio, is like, everyone hates their boss. No, no, I need the gun. My boss is really fucking bad. <laughs> and he gives her a gun, but fills it with blanks, which that's important. Yes. You know, and so Peter goes on just terrorizing Alva, you know, making her search for this contract. There is no one else in this entire office that I could possibly ask to share such a horrible job. You're the lowest on the totem pole here, Alva. The lowest. Do you realize that? Every other secretary who's been here has been here longer than you, Alva. Every one. And even if there was someone here who was here just one day longer than you, I still wouldn't ask that person to partake in such a miserable job as long as you were around. That's right, Alva. It's a horrible, horrible job. Sifting through old contract after old contract. I couldn't think of a more horrible job if I wanted to. And you have to do it. You have to, or I'll fire you. Do you understand? Do you? And then he goes to the bathroom and he cannot see his own reflection. It's right there. We can see it. I think this is where we know that his vampire stuff is a fucking psychotic fantasy. Yep. I was just going to say, at one point, he's like, I can't see myself. And one of the other, like, executives is like, I'm trying to take a shit. Go to the ladies' room. Like, yeah. essentially. And, uh, because we can see him in the mirror. Yeah. You know, he's just, he's just crazy. And then he's hallucinating Rachel in his office now. And that's when Alva finally finds the contract. And she runs in and she's like, I found the contract. And do you think that's going to calm him? No. 
Of course not. He's already snapped. He's too far gone. He's snapped, and he's just, it's too late, Alpha. It's too late. And he just chases her around, screaming, it's too late. And they go down the <laughs> stairs. They end up in the basement. Thinking about it, and in, uh, in hindsight now, he's saying it's too late. It's could have come sort of a double meaning. You know, it's too late for him. Too late for him, and too late for her. Yes. She pulls out the gun, and he's like, go ahead and shoot me, or I'm going to fire you. Yeah, he wants to die at this point. Yeah. But he's not, he's not, you know, he's not, he's too much of a coward to do it himself. And he's provoking her because she's like, don't rape me. He's like, I am going to rape you just to get her to shoot at him. Yeah, he wants to, he wants to die. And so she fires the gun and um, of course it's blank. So he realizes, oh, I can't die. And he rapes her. Yeah. Like that was rough. We don't really see it though. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I thought he just kind of just groped her for a bit. It's only later when they talk about it that he raped her. So he just leaves her there on the ground crying in her underwear. And he picks up the guns and tries to kill himself, puts the gun in his mouth. But Blanks. Yeah. So now he thinks he's immortal. Which, by the way, I don't know how they did that because Blanks killed Brandon Lee. Yeah. These must have been some... It's different effect to make this, but if those are actually yeah. blanks, he would still be dead. There is a little explosion. It doesn't shoot a bullet. There is um smaller than there's it. some things. Yeah. And so he we get the scene where he runs through the streets. He realizes what's up now. Well, in his own mind. He's like, I am in fact a vampire and I cannot die. And he just goes through the streets running, screaming, I'm a vampire! 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 Nobody gives a shit. Because <laughs> it's New York. They just look at him and go, oh, he's a vampire, okay. Crazy. Not a crazy guy. It's the 15th one I've seen today. And then he trashes his apartment today to make vampire hovel. Yeah, he made a, a, a coffin out of his fucking couch. He turns his couch upside down to make a, a, a coffin, and he covers his windows. <laughs> And he meets with Rachel, who praises him. Like, you're not, you're like me now, my angel. And then Alva, meanwhile, is at home, just completely traumatized. Right. And the family's like, whatever, Alva. Well, you'll have to move out if you get fired. Because she just can't simply tell her parents what happened, which is understandable. That's a hard thing to talk about. We get Peter trying to pick up the phone in his apartment, but he can't because there's sunlight. Which apparently comes from the film Nosferatu. Apparently, the the myth of uh, the, that was not part of the original vampire myth about being hurt by sunlight. Um, and also, a lot of Nicolas Cage's gestures he took from Nosferatu, the yeah. the German expressionism. So he goes out to get some teeth because he's he's he knows he's a vampire, but his his fangs haven't come in yet. That's right. And so he goes. Like, to- he's going. He's going through vampire puberty. Yeah, so he, he, he goes down to, to a spirit Halloween shop. Used to be the restaurant Dorcia, probably. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> Listen to the next episode. For yes. Discussions about Dorcia. Listen to the bonus episode. The, the, the guy there is like, well, we have these fiberglass fangs that they're, they're $19.99. And he's like, do you have anything cheaper? Well, we got the plastic ones. Yeah, because he doesn't have his 20 bucks on him. Remember, this is the 80s, and credit cards are not uh, exactly commonplace. They do exist, but you have the little thing, you got to get out, you know, get the carbon paper, and he's just not carrying one. And so he uh, he buys the plastic vampire fangs. 
Yeah. He puts They're him terrible. in, and he goes out in the street just making vampire faces, and it's so goofy. And he calls a shrink to try and make a, an emergency appointment, and he's all muffled. He's like, I've already made an appointment. He's got the fucking fangs in. Right. And so they make an appointment for 7.30 Monday morning, and he decides to run around and try to kill pigeons. Yeah, he needs to eat a pigeon. Instead of drink its blood. Yeah, and... I was like, oh my fucking god, this is hilarious, until the very next shot. All the fucking feathers in his apartment. Oh yeah, he went uh, He went in on the, the pigeon. Oh yeah, he did. He's got all these dead birds around his house, and then he crawls into his, in quotes, coffin. <laughs> yep. Where he sleeps all day, and then he goes out night with those fucking fangs again. And he's just going through this club, everyone's dancing, and he's like, I'm fucking Dracula! <laughs> It's like a goth club. Yeah, they don't pay much notice to him. No. And then he finds this girl that's just like in some lounge doing cocaine by herself. As one does in the 80s. And he just goes up and he physically flirts with her. He doesn't say anything. He just kind of shows off his fangs and, you know, puts his arm around her. And then he decides to, to grab her tit, which makes her panic, you know, obviously. And she's not, she's not feeling it. She's not feeling it, so he kills her. Well, yeah, he 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 bites her, <laughs> like because like, he thinks he's a vampire. Yeah, and fuck it it, just... it. it turns out in real life that just kills somebody. Blood all over him, and nobody at the golf club really notices because it's a golf club. <laughs> and then he meets Rachel again. Um, well, he meets Rachel twice here. Well, yes, kind of. Because first he's got hallucination, Rachel. Rachel, who's like, oh, you're so pathetic. You disgust me. You know, you're you're a bad vampire. Yeah. And he's all sad and sad. And then he goes back into the club and he sees real Rachel, who's like, oh, hey, I, I kind of remember you. I think we hooked up your name. So what, Peter, right? You know, yeah. and she's just normal, not vampire girl. And he thinks it's a it's a ruse. And they're right. dragging him out of the club. He's, he's screaming, she's a goddamn vampire. And he calls her the C-word. Yep. Well, yeah. And he's screaming like, you're breaking ice. I sucked that broad bone dry. You know, look at her teeth. She's a fucking vampire. And, you know, they just throw him out. You know, he's confessing to a murder. And they're just like, whatever, <laughs> dude. Bye. They're just not taking him seriously because he sounds completely insane. Yep. And then uh, the sun rises and he's like, ah, it's the sun. <laughs> That's right. But meanwhile, that morning, Alva is in tears, and her brother Emilio was like, "Okay, Alva, something's up. What's up?" And so we don't we don't get the story, but we get the the reaction that they're now out for vengeance. Suddenly, it's turned into a rape revenge film. But suddenly, meanwhile, <laughs> fucking Peter breaks this like wooden pallet to get a steak, and he's fucking begging people to kill him. Yes, which was ad libbed. Yeah, apparently he went to real up to real people and did that. Like like real people screaming, I want you to kill me And they're they're scared to shit. Like you well, see some crazy people in New York, but he's he's up to eleven. Yeah, what I mean wouldn't you be too? I'd be scared. And then he goes to a church and he's like, Oh no, the torments of the Jesus <laughs> And then all the people are leaving church and he's like Trying to hand them the steak, and he's like, kill me! Kill me! Nobody does. And he sees that his murder made the headline news. Yeah, 
And as he wanders through the street, just screaming, just dragging this this wooden stake, and he's just screaming. The only person that reacts is the, the person driving that almost hits him. Yeah. <laughs> and he stops at a wall, and we get an entire hallucination to where we realize just how fucking gone he is. Yeah, he's, he's completely gone. He hallucinates an entire session with his therapist. And we're back and forth between him looking like a crazy man talking at a wall to him just being very well dressed and put together at the therapist's office. Yep. Where he's like, all I want to do is feel love. I want love. And Hallucination Shrink has a good laugh. Like, oh my god, why didn't you tell me that before? You know, I have a patient that comes in after you and that's what she's looking. I should hook you two up. Which no therapist would ever do. <laughs> I know, well. This is his this is his ideal therapy session. And so they, they she brings in her next patient, Sharon, and she comes in and she's like, Hi, I like poetry, horseback riding, Vivaldi, and long weekends in the country. Those are the exact same things I like. I'm like, of course they are, it's all a fantasy. Yeah. And so the uh the therapist is giving them their their blessing and he, he confesses he's like, Wait, wait, the problem. I did rape someone a couple nights ago. <laughs> That's something that happened. And she's like, oh, yeah, just a little id release. Nothing to worry about. It happens. Again, exaggerated, but this this is the 1980s. and He's a powerful businessman. And then he goes, um, uh, I murdered someone last night. And she's like, oh, people get murdered every day, Peter. It's not a big deal. Stop worrying. <laughs> get on with your romance. Yeah. Sharon. This is Peter Lowe. Hi. Hi. I like poetry, horseback riding, Vivaldi, and long weekends in the country. Those are exactly the same things that I like. Wait a minute. We walked along while bright and red uprose the rising sun. The words were... Incredible. Well... I guess you two won't be needing me anymore. I guess not. Thank you so much, Dr. Glazer. This one's going to last, I can tell. It was written on the stars. Written in the stars, yes. Hey, do you like Japanese food, Sharon? It's the best. So refreshing. refreshing. You see that? Uh, We're on exactly the same wavelength. Fantastic. So long, Dr. Glazer. Oh, I almost forgot. Yes, Peter? Well, I did rape someone a couple nights ago. Girl at the office, I just lost control. It's just a little id release, no use to worry. <sighs> just thought I should tell you, okay? It's a load off my mind. Oh, yeah. Also, I, uh... Just spit it out, Peter. Well, the fact is, I did murder someone last night. I turned into a vampire. It's a long story. Goodness. Peter, 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 people get murdered every day in this city. Do you think the world is going to stop? Yeah, I guess, but the police and everything, what if they find me? Would you stop worrying and just get on with your big romance? He hasn't even been arrested, and the big lug is carrying on. Now just get out of here, the both of you. Have a wonderful life together, and I will take care of the cops. And so Peter leaves the office, and then real Peter 
starts walking down the street again. And now he's fighting with Sharon. Like, yeah. immediately his fantasy woman turned on him, and he's like, you effing C-word. He literally, he can't even handle, like, a fantasy perfect one. It's come that far gone. Yeah, and he gets up into his apartment, and he's just like, you fucking bitch! I can't handle these relationships! I should see a shrink! Meanwhile, Alva has pointed out the place to to her brother Emilio, who goes upstairs to, you know, I think his intent is just to beat him up. Like, he's carrying, like, what, a tire iron or something? Yeah, tire iron, yeah. And then he sees Peter there just holding this stake to his chest going, Ah, nonsense! So Emilio just kind of does the job with that stake and kills him. Puts him out of his misery. And that's the end of the movie. Yep. That's just where it fucking ends. No catharsis, no explanation of anything. It just ends. Well, he gets to see at Rachel one more time and he dies. <laughs> yeah. Who says, like, dream of me. And then we get a, a shot of the, the cityscape again. And credits. Yeah. This is one weird fucking movie. It is a weird movie. Um, Definitely defined who Nick Cage is. <clears throat> yeah. It's established. But, and even in, like, Nick Cage's serious roles, he is... You know, a little unhinged. Like, that's just kind of the character he plays. Yeah, and we'll definitely have more of those. But it's... And, he, and he's a, good. Like, that's, you know, what he does. He does that very well. Man, it's such a weird movie, though. Like, it is an incredibly weird movie. It's a black comedy. Yeah. Because there are parts where I did laugh. Him running through the street screaming, I'm a vampire, is fucking hilariously. <laughs> there, are, there are some funny moments. I... I think it misses the comedy part a little bit too often because it goes too far. But I mean, that's that's that was the intent. Yeah, movie was not well received at the time, but since it's become like an obvious cult classic. Yeah. Um. You know, like I said earlier, it launched a million memes. That I mean, fa facial expressions are quite good. The face that launched a million memes. That's right. Um. It's definitely one of his best performances. But this character is so horrible. Yeah. Uh, it would have... Yeah, he, he was just, just an awful character. Yeah. Not, not, it has nothing to do with Nicolas Cage. It's just this person is... No, it's to Nicolas Cage's credit that he really sells how just fucking shitty this Peter is. I mean, this dude is 80s guy, right? Like, 80s guy from Futurama. <laughs> yeah, he totally is. He's just 80s guy. Yeah, so would you rather have this or the 9 p.m. taco shop coffee? I'll take the taco shop coffee. I, I like Nick Cage's performance, but the character is awful. The movie tries to be a comedy, but then it has, like, rape, and uh, it's just... The rape is so uncomfortable, and it comes out of nowhere. Like, you're trying to enjoy this movie, and then boom, rape. It's a miss. Um, it's a good performance from Nick Cage, though, and it's an interesting idea. And obviously it has a message about you know, this was released in late in 1989, and by by then, you know the the veneer of the 80s has worn off. People realize, oh hey, this actually kind of sucked balls. Yeah, <laughs> like don't. what the fuck were we thinking? <laughs> yeah, um, and so I'm very much a critique of the era. Go with you on the coffee, because as good as his performance is, this is a movie you can only watch once. And that's my thought. It's like I I have no interest in seeing this again. I mean, some clips, yeah. I could watch the alphabet clip. <laughs> That's a good scene. I could watch the, the, the big eyes scene. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Nick Cage is good in it, but it's just like, am I going to sit through this entire thing again and watch Nick Cage go crazy and then 
rape Rita Kachita Alonso because he thinks he's a vampire and wants to die. Like, it's bizarre. Yeah, so our, our bonus episode this week is another person losing their shit in 1988 New York. Yep. American Psycho, which I'm sure you've guessed by now, loyal listeners. Yes. Um, we, we hinted at it pretty pretty well, so if you subscribe for 99 cents a month, you get the bonus episodes as they air, um, which lately is the exact same time. I've gotten better at timing my editing. Excellent. And... Otherwise, you got to wait a week. But make sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you like what we do, leave a review. Give us five stars, nothing less. And for more episodes, check out our website at exploitedpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at PodcastExploit. Or contact us at exploitedpodcast at gmail.com. And then next week, it's Vroom Vroom. And we'll leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Have a good week. (laughs) 